0: Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchandthepeak.org. Can we give a, a big round of applause for Dave, who's going to come and speak to us? I feel strange with this. I'm going to be a pop star singing. Would you like to hear me sing this morning? You better start leaving now then. <coughs> no, she knows I can't sing, that's, that's it. But it's good to be with you again, twice in three three or four months, three times in ten years. Is this the last or is it more? But it's really good to be with you this morning and uh, we actually came down yesterday because I thought I've only been here Sunday morning and gone straight back home. So we um, went to Buxton, we... Had a good look around Matlock and had a walk around and, and pray. And it was really good, really nice. And we stopped in Darleydale last night. And we had a fantastic breakfast this morning. Hence, you can see that my stomach's got a little bit larger. And, uh, yeah, it's been really good. So I'm really pleased to be here. I don't know about you guys, through your experience or my experience, I want to ask you this question. Have you ever lost your passion? If you have, you can please put your hand up. There's a few honest people. I don't know about you, through life sometimes we just lose our passion, even for God and the purposes of God. And um, I praise God this morning, I've had a tough season, etc., etc., but my passion is being rekindled daily in, in, in many ways. And there has been areas that my passion has been distracted, and one of them was actually sharing the gospel. I've become complacent in sharing the gospel. And so this morning, I want to try to encourage all of us the importance of the gospel and what that means. And um, a couple of days ago, Lorraine just brought back a, a story that I, I said something once many, many years ago. And I'm going to ask this church, does anybody here have any licorice all sorts with them? No, I once said that, and to my surprise, this lady said yes, and she took out this packet of licorice all sorts, and so joking, I said, you know, I really like licorice all sorts, and that was the worst statement I made for 10 years afterwards, all I got every week, Christmas, birthdays, just to be blessed, was licorice all sorts. Do you like licorice all sorts? Is there, is there anybody here likes the crisps all sorts? Keep your hands up, because I knew, I knew you wouldn't have any. You see, so I actually brought some. So I'm going to have one first. I'll put the round up first. Right, we can pass them round then. You might think, what on earth are you talking about the crisps all sorts for? Because if you turn to the person next to you and just say, "I'm a licorice allsort," <laughs> you see licorice all sorts are made, then they're all put together in a lovely box, and then you open them like I've just opened them, and you enjoy them. Is that correct? No, because you don't like licorice all sorts. I'm looking at a box of licorice all sorts here this morning. Do you believe that? Because you're all different. You're all unique. You're all special to God. And you've all got a, p- a plan and purpose from God for you to serve him. Do you believe that? We're on the right lines then. Therefore, go and make disciples... Of all nations, baptise them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Do you believe in that? Surely? Absolutely? 100%? Lee? And do you know what? If you do that, God is with you to the very end of age. And that's a promise. Because Jesus wants us to go and make disciples, not just converts. And this is another passion I've had recently about making true disciples, not converts. And we are a work in progress. We're being made here this morning into God's disciples by the Holy Spirit. And he wants us to obey him and make other disciples. And I think... The church needs to be more intentional in making disciples and what that means. And there's lots of different ways. And if you invite me back another eight times, I will preach on discipleship. (laughs) Booked. And so I know that even going through the gifts, so this morning I'm just going to briefly share with you the gift of the evangelist. And you may identify yourself with this this morning. It's the special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to readily share the gospel with unbelievers in such a way that men and women often become Jesus' disciples and responsible members of the body of Christ. And this gift is a practical gift, believe it or not. You see, the task of evangelism is an important spiritual exercise that every Christian should be involved with. God gives certain members with an ability to have unusual sensitivity to when somebody is actually ready to accept Christ and will generally have a greater success in leading people to Jesus than other Christians. But people with this gift should be active in training others to share their faith. And that's what I believe I'd love to do even more of. Not that I'm the best evangelist or anything like that, but the whole concept of training and making disciples and equipping people. You see, who do you think was that you've heard of who is the best evangelist around that you've come across or you know? You can shout an answer out. Billy Graham, Mm-mm. two for Billy Graham, <laughs> sorry, J. John, mm-hmm. Ronald Bonkey. do you not know any more, oh, sorry, oh, Todd Wyatt, Adrian Holloway, Mark here, <laughs> you, who's you, <laughs> I, you've all missed the best one out. And I've got to tell you the best one is Jesus. He's the greatest example of an evangelist. All the others have only copied Jesus. Do you agree to that? So my goal is to help us to be stirred, motivated, and ignite a fresh passion and compassion for the lost. So my actual title this morning is A Heart for the Lost. God has given us these gifts to help equip the church. And so I want to ask you, seriously, what equipping do you personally need to advance the kingdom of God? So that the church here in the peaks will grow. I'd like you to write those answers down and give them to Phil. There's about 80 people in here, so you should have 80 sheets of paper, Phil. Then Phil's going to do it for you. But serious, though, do you feel equipped in every aspect of your Christian walk with God? See, the key to church growth is not just the gift of an evangelist, but ordinary Christians being encouraged and equipped to bring people to know and meet with Jesus. We are not all evangelists, as I've said, but every one of us in this room, as an evangelistic style of gifting, working together with other people, will advance the kingdom of God. There's a principle of the... Of the um, Five loaves and two fish. This boy brought it to Jesus and Jesus multiplied it. See, and if we come together with the gifts that we've got to use to advance the kingdom, we will. Because in this room, we have people with a confrontational skill, an intellectual skill, a testimonial skill, an interpersonal skill, an invitational and a serving skill. Every one of us in here will have one of those styles. So we're all called to go fishing together. And fishing was a way of life in those days. The whole village was involved. No one was not involved. They all had a part to play. And I had the privilege of being in a small group of people this week on on Thursday night, our midweek group where we go to. And we've had a a non-Christian in this group for probably about just over two months. And he is um, a support worker because there's somebody in the group has to, can't drive and needs to get upset. So this bloke's actually getting paid for bringing a Christian to a Christian meeting midweek. And on, and over the weeks, we've all been talking to him. He's seen food and fun and fellowship. But on Thursday night, we started to just do an alpha just for him in, in, in our group. So he watched the first one so i said to him at the end of it what's stopping you from giving your heart to jesus and he asked a few questions and all the members of the group and the night was getting on and it got to about quarter to 11 that night and he says i'm ready and he gave his heart to god and i thought what a privilege it was but it was a team of people together have just led someone into salvation and i don't know about you I really do get excited. So I told the group I was in, you can all jump up and down, you can clap, you can get excited now because we're partying with the angels, which is true. So they were doing it. Now, would you like to do that every week? I know I would, and I'd love to see that here every week. Salvation after salvation. Because when we give our lives to Jesus, he does want us to become those disciples. He wants us to spend time with him, learn from him, and then reflect Jesus into our communities and in the country and around. And we've heard that story this morning from that lady. I can't remember her name, but she just reflected God's love, speaking to someone, showed her an act of kindness. So that girl who she spoke to knows that Jesus loves her. Sometimes we hear great preachers, but what do we do with them? Do we talk the talk? Or do we actually walk the walk? Or are we passengers on a luxury liner or a crew member on a battleship? I know most of the time I'd like to be on a luxury liner because you're waited and served. And that's where we can get sometimes in our lives. We're just complacent, laying back, enjoying life. Do you know 50... 5.3 million people die each year. That's 151,600 people die each day. 6,316 people die each hour. 105 people die each minute. And nearly two people die each second. It's a dying world out there. And recently, I've been taking many, many funerals. I've took two this week of forty year old people whose whose lives were in a mess. They had no hope, no future. These people are facing eternity without Christ. Charles Finney wept at the thought of people facing a Christless Eternity. Jesus came to save the lost. His heart was for the lost. And he wants us to have that love, compassion and a heart, as we've heard this morning, for the lost. Paul called hold of Jesus' heart for the lost. He spread the gospel. He wasn't ashamed of the gospel. There was always progress. He had confidence. And that should excite us today, the gospel, because it's living and active. And we should expect wonderful things to happen. My trip to Germany recently, started to rekindle my passion for the lost and working together. Because there's a lot of people, as I say, are going to hell. And we all agree that evangelism should be done. But why do we not do it? What stops us from reaching out into our communities, the dying world? Because I need, and I believe, and we've heard that word, two or three times this morning about our hearts. Our hearts need to be life changers. And God gives us that grace, that love, and that power to do it. See, people need to know Jesus. They need to know a future. They need to know a hope. So how can you make a ripple in a lake that spreads out? You've got to go, and you've got to throw a stone in it, and it makes a ripple. There's an action that has to be done. Maybe today a lot of us are living also in fears. I'm not sure how to do it. I, I have 20 reasons why Christians don't evangelize. So again, there's this task for you. Bite those 20 out. What stops us from sharing? See, are we catching hold of Jesus' heart for people like Paul did? And I believe that's a challenge to God's churches today. And the Bible tells us two important things. Why evangelism is a crucial part of what it means to be a Christian. In Luke 19 it says, lost people matter to God. And the Christian faith is to be shared in one Peter. So our worship this morning is to God. But our witnessing is our responsibility to man. And 50% of Jesus' ministry was evangelizing. And the other 50% was teaching and building up his followers on evangelism. So Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd, And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. And There's four little brief statements I want to look at in that. First of all, Jesus went to the people. He took the responsibility to minister people's spiritual needs by going to them. And salvation would be a total different story if Jesus had just sat on a stone and waited for people to come to him. What would happen today if the Holy Spirit did not come to us to convict and lead us to his grace and forgiveness? You see, Jesus took that first step so that ministry could occur. He took initiative to enter their settings into their world. He intentionally went into their lives he worshiped with them he went to weddings with them he worked with them on their boats he helped harvest the fruits of the of the harvest he laughed with them he cried with them jesus knew who they were and their personal pains because he purposely entered their lives and do you think all the situations that jesus found himself in made him totally comfortable Probably not. And some of the most meaningful ministries that I've been involved in have been outside of my comfort zone. And I think that's probably the same for most people. And he went with them with all sorts of methods teaching, preaching, healing. He would do whatever it took to minister to people. Sometimes it was a Bible study, sometimes he was actually preaching in the synagogue. And sometimes people would just come to him and without a sermon, he'd just reach out and touch them and heal them. And I believe there's a lesson we have to learn. I wonder how many opportunities for ministry we miss because maybe we might get stuck on just only one method in the church today. But if we were so in tune with the Holy Spirit and listening to the Holy Spirit and what he's saying and we go and do it, I think we might see even more wonderful things happening. As I said, I believe God is stirring his church for this church to be on the go, to actually go out more into the streets, into the villages with the good news, to be more intentional. And there's lots of different methods we can do. One of the latest, can I call it the word, FAS or whatever, is phases. People are getting more and more involved in healing on the streets, because God's anointing that at the moment. You know, door-to-doors, alphas, just going into the park, having fun, having a walk by the river, talking to people. And as I said before many years ago, let's go, teams, where we did a weekend away or a week away. Well, it's the initiative of actually going. I've been encouraged by going to Germany, as I said, sharing and equipping seeing people step out for God. It wasn't easy, I think it was a blessing and many people got blessed by God. Many seeds were sown and planted and many divine encounters and doors were opened up even though I couldn't speak German. I, we managed to pray for people. They were getting Iris you and she can tell you all what went on. So my question is, are we doing the same as Jesus did? Because I believe he wants us to. How will we help to take God's word into God's world so the first point was Jesus went to the people secondly he really saw them have you noticed there's a difference between hearing and listening I found myself lots of occasions just chilling out on my sofa at home spacing out and I've heard this buzzing noise going on this buzzing noise for a long time I could just hear it just like a a bee or something in my ear But I was too tired to figure out what it was. And finally, I would hear Lorraine saying, Dave, are you listening? (laughs) I was hearing, but I wasn't listening. You see, listening is very important. And some people are good at it, and some people are not. There's also a difference between seeing a person and actually seeing who they are. You see, Jesus really saw these people individually. He just didn't see a bunch of people like I'm seeing here at the moment. He looked into everyone, every person, into their soul. And I wonder what he was thinking. Hey, there's Phil. He needs encouragement today. There's Justin. I hope he's better from his illness. He knew everything about everybody. Because he saw them. He understood him. He understands me. He understands me. He understands you. He feels for me. He feels for you. See, what Jesus saw was more than what is naturally observable. Because most of us, if we're truthful, are pretty good at hiding our true hurts and pains. People can smile. Yet inside they are weeping. Because of many circumstances in their lives. And that wonderful story in the New Testament, a prodigal son. The father saw his son. He knew he spent all his money. He had gone with the wrong crowd. Miserably failed his family. But the loving father looked past the sin and despair and sees a son that he loves. And he rushes down the road and puts his arms around him. See, and I believe this morning God wants people to know if you've gone away from him, or you don't know him, that this morning he wants to embrace you, to reaffirm to you that he still loves you. Jesus saw them as having no shepherd. Do you know sheep are dumb? Helpless, dumb, vulnerable, powerless, stupid, and dumb. That's a sheep. And a sheep without a shepherd are aimless and lost. Hopeless, forsaken, unprotected, feeble. They don't know where they're going. They live from one event to the next with no real purpose. They're easy prey for the enemy. They are so dumb that even in a rainstorm they would look up and actually drown if the shepherd wasn't with them. So I wonder if we actually ask God to help us see people from the inside, not from the outside would that change the way we prayed for them? Would that change the way we respond to people? Because if we see people as Jesus sees people, it makes a big difference. So today, how do we see people? people. Do we love them? Do we care for them? Jesus went to the people, he saw them, and then he had this word, compassion on them. He was gripped with compassion. Which really means that his bowels were moved within him. And the Hebrew understanding what the bowels were regarded as the seat of tender affections. And today we would say the heart is the seat of either anger or love. I love you with all my heart. When Jesus says that to you, that's what he really means. So we're not only to observe what people say, but also what they don't say. Because the scripture doesn't say when he saw the crowds, he felt a commitment towards them. He wasn't just committed to the people, Jesus. He had something far more compelling. He had compassion. See, I can be committed to Lorraine for life. But if I don't have love and compassion for her, all I have is a contract. And that's the same with everyone in relationships. We need to be more committed to the people of our communities. But we must be moved with compassion. And that was one of the things that Jesus showed me when I see people, when I pray for people. I always ask Jesus, can I have your compassion for that person? And I've noticed a great difference when I pray for people. And particularly then if you ask God for a picture of their pain or their needs. And and I think just even out on the streets, everyday life, if we ask that, we can have opportunities to pray for people, talk to them, enter their world. You see, how many people here have actually heard of someone who's had cancer? Have any of those people been so close to you? Do you think it makes a difference when you see someone in your own family who's had cancer because it does something to your heart? My daughter's just gone through a year of cancer. And, you know, my compassion, she's my daughter, but it doubled because I saw her every day and felt her needs and her pain and her anguish. And I think if we had more... Like that, when we see ordinary people, we will see a great big difference in this world. Because I believe our heart will flow out in a thousandfold greater compassion. And compassion flows like a mighty river. So Jesus had compassion because he entered their world. So being moved with compassion may mean that we step out of our comfort zones. Jesus had to touch the leper the lady that was bleeding for so many years, meeting with tax collectors, sinners, might be out of our comfort zones. But we need the compassion for those people. So today my question is again, what is our compassion like for people compared to Jesus' compassion? So he went, he saw, he had, and then he said this wonderful lesson to his disciples on evangelism. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. But we can always miss out this one word, then. See, Jesus was God, he knew everything. But as a man, he developed, he grew physically, and he grew spiritually. And after he had experienced going from town to town, villages and villages and preaching the good news and praying for the sick and touching boys and they were healed and dead people were being raised and blind eyes and all that, he had experienced it all and had compassion on them. And because he had gone through that, he knew what it was about. So he then said to his disciples, it's your turn. So there's an important lesson for us to learn. Jesus presented a clear presentation of what it would take to be an effective evangelist unless he hadn't gone through it himself. He passed it on and he passed it on to us today. I believe only life changing lessons can be effective if life change has occurred in the teacher. See, I can't teach you this if I hadn't done it myself. Some of these things I have done so I can share my experiences. How many times have we heard preachers preaching or teachers teaching but actually they haven't done it themselves? I think there's a difference when you've done something yourself that you can pass it on. Now if anyone in this room wants to know how to play football come and see me. I've done done the course got the t-shirt and the badge in the past because I've experienced that and I, I know about it. But if you ask me to sing a song to you or teach you how to sing, or to play an instrument, you're coming to the wrong person. So we have gifts that we can pass on, our skills that we can pass on. As I say, I I enjoyed being a part of this team in Dresden. It was good. Talking to people. And the feedback from all, I think it must have been about 30 in the end, the feedback was excellent. Some people had never been out on the streets. They'd never talked and shared their, their faith or anything. But they all found it was a brilliant week of being taught on the job, and going out and doing it. So we need to have a passion when we go to people. We need to be gripped by that Compassion. Jesus wants us to tell our story. When was the last time you ever shared your testimony? Do you know how to share your testimony? When was the last time you actually shared Jesus' story with people? Because I believe communicating with people and telling our own true stories is one of the best ways that we can evangelize to our friends and neighbors and colleagues. Because it's the truth. This was what you were like. This is what you're like today. Has anybody led anyone to Jesus in the last month? Has anybody shared their testimony in the last month? Yeah? Raise your hands if you just shared your testimony in the last month. There's a few. That's good. Would you like to do more of that? Who would like to lead someone to Jesus? Good. So would I. It's exciting, isn't it? And we can lose that passion. And my prayer for us all today is that we will be A fresh igniting, a fresh passion here. Plenty of room. I believe you're moving to a new building. Wouldn't it be great to see that filled and filled and filled with non-Christians? And it doesn't matter what age we are. It doesn't matter what we think. But as a team of people together, we can see more and more results. Jesus saw he had and he said and do you know the word go is mentioned 1,514 times in the Bible what do you think that means so many times in the New Testament 233 times do you think God is saying something is a question you might be able to answer this are Christians like Arctic rivers frozen at the mouth Luke nine twenty one. see that you tell no one that's what a lot of Christians do they use that I mustn't tell anybody Jesus didn't say this therefore church in the peaks stay don't go don't go and make disciples of all nations did he say that to you? He said go. Jesus showed us his heart. He showed us how to do it. And he wants us to continue to do it. So what's stopping us for today? Are we going out sowing seeds for eternity? We have gifts to work together to advance the kingdom of God. This is your season, it's my season. There's no other season. And God is looking for soft, pliable, willing hearts that he can transform to serve him to reach the world. I believe greater things are to come. And greater things are to be done in the peaks. And Charles Spurgeon said this, what can one man do alone? But what can he not do with an army of enthusiasts around him? And Leighton Ford said, if people are made for God and if people can be saved or lost eternally, then the important thing in this world is to show people how to be saved. Amen. Can I pray for us? Father God, I I just thank you for this church here. Lord, I thank you that you've got your hand upon it. And you've got greater things to be done. And Lord, I want to pray this morning that you will stir all our hearts afresh. For a passion for the lost. And that Lord, we will have divine appointments daily, weekly. That we will see people being saved and added and having a future and, and a hope. Even like that story we've heard this morning. Lord, we want to see your gospel being proclaimed. We want to see healings on the street, Lord. We want to see friendships being built up for eternity, Lord Jesus. Would you do that here, Lord? Lord, if you're challenging people this morning and touching people's hearts, Spirit of God, would you come upon them? I believe the Spirit of God here this morning, and he wants to full refresh on people today because he's anointed you to preach good news to the poor to proclaim freedom for the prisoners recovery of sight for the blind and to release the oppressed and to heal the broken hearted this is the year of the Lord's favour Lord would you just fall afresh right now I just want to ask you if you want to receive from God this morning just open your hands to him because I believe he wants to touch one or two people here this morning. And also God's here this morning to heal. His word is living and active. Come, Holy Spirit, we welcome you now. Stir our hearts. Fan into flame the gifts that you've given us to build this church for your glory. Just move amongst us, Lord. Oh Lord Jesus. How can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can anyone preach unless they are sent? Lord, I want to pray for sending people today. Because how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Lord, I want to pray for the sick here now. We just bind and loosen any spirits of infirmity, sickness, and pain, and we tell it to go in the name of Jesus. We pray for healing this morning for broken hearts. We pray against fear this morning, Lord Jesus. We say, go in the name of Jesus. More, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Maybe you don't know Jesus this morning, but Jesus wants to know you. He wants to come into your lives. And if you've never opened the door of your heart, just say, Jesus, you know who I am. You know my fears and failures. Please come into my life. I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. Thank you for the free gift of your Holy Spirit. And thank you that you love me, that you died on the cross for me. Come into my life this morning afresh. Thank you, Lord. Can I just ask the worship band to come up and play? And if you want prayer this morning, can I invite you? God's touched you or challenged you I'd love to pray with you and some of the elders would love to pray with you I believe God does really want to touch some people afresh this morning and empower you and fill you with his Holy Spirit that you'll be anointed to go